sometimes the smooth, easy road isn't the best road because it has variables that you cannot detect, right? Versus the rocky road takes a little bit longer, but you're so present in every single moment that the decisions that you make on the rocky road will have a lasting effect. You're listening to Social Misfit. What's going on, misfits? Did I ever tell you that I um that I wanted to be a singer? Not just a singer. I wanted to be, in particular, a backup singer. Yeah, so, okay, I'm a child of the 80s slash 90s. And so in the 90s, all of the R&B songs, all of the rap songs had like this mysterious background singer woman who never got credited, <laughs> misogyny, and they would just come in and sing their part and you just never knew. But most times it was the best part, like doing it and doing it and doing it well, right? You know what I'm saying? Put it in my mouth. I have no idea who sang that song, but I'm glad. I'm, I'm sure she's glad that we don't know who sang that song. Because how embarrassing would it be if you found out that your mother was a put put it in your mouth chick, right? Can you imagine? Can you can think it and you can taste it, you can taste it. I'm talking every gym, jump, don't you waste it. Baby, giving up. It's, can you imagine if that was like... Thank the Lord I grew up before social media. Like, you don't even understand. So I wanted to be a backup singer. So that was me flexing my little, um, my backup singer of uh, vocals. What's going on, Misfits? How we doing this week? How was last week? Hit me up in the DMs. Let me know how your week is going. Um, I will tell you myself that I have had a very uneventful but eventful week. Meaning that I'm, I am currently not working. I'm in between gigs, but I'm doing all the things that I need to do for myself, which is the topic of this very episode. The topic of this episode is none other than what I'm calling the dry season. The dry season, just imagine back to you being a farmer, right? And that's all you had to do. This is before cities, big cities. This is, you know, farming, farming. Even now we have farmers, but we shit on farmers, which is a whole nother conversation because without them, we would not be able to eat. And I don't care how much uh, genetically modified foods they have out here in these here supermarkets. The majority of the food that we get is still grown by farmers somewhere out here who don't get their motherfucking flowers. Okay. So imagine if you're a, if you are a farmer and your whole life, your livelihood, your family's livelihood for generations relies on you being able to turn a profit off of your soil. And what farmers do and have done for many years, um, even before modern technology and modern civilization is they look to the skies, right? And so I'm sure you've heard of like the farmer's almanac. The farmer's almanac has been around like the old farmer's almanac, like the actual book called the Old Farmer's Almanac has been around for 230 years and it claims an 80% accuracy for weather predictions. And so you can forecast according to this book, right, which uses solar science, weather patterns, weather patterns and um, media, um, media, meteorology. I don't know why I stumbled on that word. Meteorology to decide what the weather is going to be like in the future, right? And so I know we have all these movies and sci-fi books that talk about the future, but like the old... Farmer's Almanac tells us the future when it comes to weather in the world. And so farmers would have this book or before this book, they would do their own, you know, pass down their own generation's tips on how to farm and till the land. And so there's certain times in which you can actually till the land, plant a seed and respect a harvest. But after the harvest, it is dead, right? Because you have to let the soil turn over 
has to let the nutrients come back. You have to let it like rejuvenate so that it can do it again. And so that is what I'm calling this part of my life right now. And it happens every year. I, every year I have a dry season. Even when I was on the road doing stand-up comedy um, eight months out of the year, those other couple months, it was dry, you know, and I had to make sure that the things that I had done when I was on the road was enough to sustain me during those dry periods. And you can think of it like summer break, right? But sometimes my summer break isn't during the summer. But I think all of us as adults, even now, we have a dry season and sometimes you don't know that it is your dry season. For some people, it's like after, um, like financially, it's like after Christmas, once you finish buying everybody your gift, their gifts, sidebar, I don't buy gifts. Um, my family knows me well. They know my heart. But um, after you buy gifts and then tax season, right? So you can say theoretically from December, January, February, March to April, when everybody gets their tax return, that is a dry season financially because you don't have any extra income or the income that you had is like holding you down until you get your return. Um, I haven't gotten a return I don't, I don't, I haven't gotten a return in a long time. That's the side part about this, the sad, not sad, but the side conversation that people don't have when they talks about like being a boss, right? Like once you start your LLC or your S Corp, you ain't getting no money back in your taxes and nobody wants to tell you that. Okay. So like uh, Rick Ross had everybody talking about, I'm a boss, but he also should have said when you were a boss, you don't get no money back from your motherfucking taxes. You end up having to pay quarterly or annually and you got to figure that shit out yourself, which is also ridiculous. Like with all the technology that we have, IRS should be able to fucking text us and be like, Hey fam, you owe X amount hit this link and send us that money like something but they want us to do work because you know our infrastructure sucks because you know everybody's making money off the people who actually need to be making the money so dry season this thought came to me when I was thinking about like my plants okay so roll with me here this is this is one of those episodes I I'm not high I promise you this is just me being like really introspective and so over the pandemic I had gotten some plants and I had some plants before but I really started like to tend to the plants and then when I moved here I was like I need plants so I have several plants and I'm very proud of myself um in my office where I record this podcast I have four tiny succulents that sit in my windowsill and let me just tell you something this is the longest I've ever kept a succulent alive which says a lot about where I am in my life but when you start um when you have plants and when you tend to them, the thing that I didn't know that people didn't tell me is that sometimes your plants or part of your plants dies, right? So if you have a plant that has multiple um, leaves or branches, some of them will die and the leaves will start to fall off. And so at first I thought, oh my gosh, this is like, this is my fault. I'm killing this plant, you know, and I have one plant that like all the leaves fell off, all the leaves fell off, but like the the branch, like the stem of it was still chilling, bald as a motherfucking bandit. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to toss this one out. I'm going to just let it chill. I'm not going to, I'm not going to like obsess over it. I'm going to water it when the, when the soil is absolutely dry and hopefully it'll come back to life. 
that plant just sprouted another leaf maybe like a week ago and now other leaves are starting to sprout. But if I had just tossed it out because all the leaves had died thinking that it was dead, I would have missed out on a gorgeous plant. And so it made me realize that like a part of growth is death. Of course, I already know that, but a part of growth is death. And sometimes we think that when something that we want in our life that is supposed to bring us joy or beauty um, starts to dissipate or disintegrate or fall off to the ground that it must mean that the whole thing is not worth it anymore. And I had to really talk to myself and say, it's a plant. It's just like how we shed hair, just like how we, you know, lose our baby teeth and get our big teeth. This is a part of the process. And I think a lot of times we as human beings look at things and one instant result or steady growth. And sometimes you have to have a dry season, which made me think about farmers, right? Because, you know, there's no farmer alive that says, hey, every day, 365, I'm planting and growing and harvesting. Like there's all, they're always rotating lots. And I think that's how we have to look at life. And, you know, I've said this before, I truly don't believe that human beings are supposed to live the way in which we live with these densely populated cities. I just don't believe that's how we were intended to be. Um, I, I know that industrialization and technology has, you know, forced people to leave their farms and go to the city and work. You know, when you think about China, uh, the China, you know, China's big leap forward was so hazardous to the ecology because, you know, Chairman Mao wanted everybody to move into the city and work in the industry. And that like, created a famine because there were not enough people to um, tend to the lands. And also he killed like one of the birds that he didn't like one of the birds. And one of the birds was like major to the um, ecosystem. And so they suffered for several years because the ecology had to build back up. And I think a lot of times, you know, when you think about industrial civilization versus like agricultural civilizations, we want fast results. And so when you think about like, you know, machinery that helps speed up production. Then what it also did was like trample on our individual lives because now you are beholden to a machine that doesn't take any breaks. Right. And so now you work in a factory and you got to be there every day of the week for the entire year, for your entire career, because the only time you don't have work is when you have the weekends versus when you're a farmer, you rotate, you change your schedule, um, you tend to the animals, all these other things. And it also makes you more well-rounded and also makes you realistic in how you should expect things to yield in your life or like the return that you should get. And so I think with what we live or the way in which we live now, we don't give ourselves that grace. And so I may look at my life right now, but like, damn, you know, I have so much time on my hands and I, you know, I could be doing this. I could be doing that. And it's like, well, yes, Chloe, this is your dry season and you're fine. You know, you are able to take care of all of your needs and you know what's coming around the corner. So just enjoy this moment so that you can recuperate because if you don't, you're just constantly working all the time. Which brings us to the point like in America, we don't have enough um, 
vacation days. You know, we don't have paid maternity leave. We don't have siestas. Like when you go to Europe, it shuts down. Like for the month of August, everything shuts down. Don't take no trip to Europe in the month of August because you will be seeing nothing but closed gates because everybody else is on vacation for six to eight weeks. And they also take siesta because everybody Everybody, I'm generalizing, but like for the most part, people live within walking distance from their job. So I don't know what the siesta time is, but let's just say, you know, two o'clock. So from two o'clock to five o'clock, things are shut down because they go home, they eat, they relax, they take a nap and then they come back and they work and then they work till like eight or nine o'clock and then they have dinner at 10 o'clock and they're chilling. And we don't have that because we just don't value people having a work-life balance. And I think that's why you see so many people, especially the younger generation, quitting their job saying $15 an hour is not worth it. And I hope more of them do that. <laughs> I truly hope more people do that to kind of shock the system, um, which is also interesting because Tuesday is February 22nd, 2022, which is supposed to be a transformative time um, in our in our life, um, something that hasn't happened in many hundreds of years, I believe. And that will be Pluto's return. And so according to the Hood Witch on Instagram, great account if you're into astrology and all things metaphysical, spiritual, the Hood, the Hood Witch, T-H-E-H-O-O-D Witch. Uh, the first ever Pluto return of the United States occurs on February 22nd, 2022. This astrological phenomenon is one of the defining moments of the year and is set to transform the country as well as the world we live in. Get ready for the historic event that will rock the country and change our lives. The Pluto return occurs every 248 years, which means it's no small feat. The last time Pluto was at the same degree in sign, 27 degrees of Capricorn to be exact. Hey, Capricorn, what's up? How you doing? I'm a Capricorn. Was during the signing of the Declaration of Independence in 1776 on colonized land. This is when the United States became its own country apart from Britain. Being that we as humans will never experience our Pluto returns, we can experience this transit through events such as the birth of nations and the recurring symbolism or themes of historic events. The foundation of the United States has many cracks in it, which is why we can expect to see it being rebuilt in a better way in which the people hold the power. The government has to become accountable and responsible for the wrongdoings of its past, particularly the racist and misogynistic roots that the country was founded on. The time and reckoning has come for the country to make reparations and redefine the culture that the founders built. A restoration is necessary. Shout out to the hood witch. I agree a thousand percent. And that is one of the major reasons why I kind of found peace with the president that we had previously. Because I knew that it had to happen, right? And in order for massive transformations to take place, people have to see the bottom of the motherfucking barrel. And we as a country are slowly creeping towards the bottom. I thought we hit the bottom, but it's still going. This whole critical race theory, banning books, it's it's creating a, a pendulum shift that people don't understand. And so it's really interesting. Like the harder you fight against something, the harder it's going to come back and punch you in the face. Like Jawan Howard punched that. Uh, well, he didn't punch. It was a open hand, open hand slap. Like Jawan Howard slapped that opposing coach. 
don't think that you could just keep doing stuff and not feel the brunt of the energy that you put out there because energy is always going to swing back. It's always going to swing back. So that's how I feel about looking at things from the viewpoint of a farmer, right? Um, there's things that you can control, but there's a whole bunch of things that you can't control. And the best way to get the best results is to work with what you have and to understand your role in the, in the event, in the event and environment that you are in. So when I think about my life and I think about this moment right now, I think about the fact that I'm in a dry season and it's not a bad thing. I think it's a time for reflection. It's a time for planning ahead. It's a time to take inventory of the things that you have and the things that you need. And I think we need to do that more often. And I thought about this um, during one of my hikes. I, I hike every Sunday which is like, like, it's like a drug now. Like I have to hike every Sunday. If I don't like my week is, I just don't feel the same. And during one of the hikes, I was climbing up this steep part and there were two options. It was like a really smooth part. And then it was a really rugged part. And normally I would go up the smooth part, but this time I was like, let me go up the rugged part. And as I'm climbing up, like literally climbing up the rugged part, like using my hands and getting my footing and taking my time. Um, I look over at some people who were going up the smooth part and the smooth part was smooth because the sand or the dirt was loose. And as you were climbing up it, it was hard for you to get a grip. And mind you, I'm on the rocky side, taking my time, making my way forward. And the people on the smooth slide were like sliding down, like, you know, sliding down, walking down, sliding down on their butt, walking up, tripping up on their feet because they just didn't have good footing. And that also made me think about like the choices that we make in life. Sometimes the smooth, easy road isn't the best road because it has variables that you cannot detect, right? Versus the rocky road takes a little bit longer, but you're so present in every single moment that the decisions that you make on the rocky road will have a lasting effect because you have to actually contemplate and think about it versus being on the smooth road. It looks easy and you're singing a song in your head, looking over the cliff, not paying attention because you're like, oh, this is smooth. This is going to be easy. And that's when you fall and bust your motherfucking head open to the white meat. And so sometimes we look at things without realizing what the lesson is supposed to be. And so when I was thinking about this part of my life, this dry season, it made me think about my previous dry seasons, right? And so I'll tell you another dry season. Okay, so after I graduated college, I worked at Lifetime Magazine, which was the magazine based on the cable network Lifetime. This is when everybody in publishing, remember publishing, when everybody in publishing was trying to replicate the success of Oprah Magazine, which is also no longer in print. And so Lifetime at the time was like the number one basic cable channel for ages 18 to 34 in the women demographic. And so they were like, let's make a magazine based on the channel Lifetime. And you can imagine what the, you can imagine what the, what the stories were like. Like it was just like the cable channel. And so that lasted for all of like two years and the magazine shut down and I didn't have a job. And thankfully, my rent at the time was super cheap because I was living with my cousin, Nicole, in Southside, Jamaica, Queens, um, actually Rochdale, to be specific, which is like a middle class co-op city, basically, in Queens. And the, my share of the rent was like $367. It was like dirt cheap. So between uh, the uh, the a little bit of savings I had, because again, I'm like 20, 
for at this time, like savings. I was like, come on now, what am I, old lady? So between the savings that I actually managed to have and unemployment, I was able to pay my rent, no problem. But of course, I still need money to like live and buy groceries. And I don't know how I got connected with these people. I don't know how it happened, but I ended up editing street lit books for Triple Crown Publications. And if you type in my name and street lit or Triple Crown Publications, the books that I edited will pop up. So I remember, oh gosh, one was like Shiesty Part 2 or Anything like all of those, like, you know, drug dealers, girlfriend. I don't know. I can't remember the titles, but I I did them. You know, people, uh, the authors would or the publisher would mail me the manuscript. Like one of the authors was in prison and the book came to me in like legal pad. And I was like, you got to pay me to type this book in. Like I have to type the book in and edit it. Like, yeah, you got to give me a little bit more money. But that was a part of my dry season. And I would work all night because I was pretty much a night owl still am but reformed because out here everybody wakes up at fucking 6 a.m 5 a.m to work out before they go to work so you have to, you got to get it together you and also you're working like 12 hour days so that staying up to two in the morning don't cut it no more um so i would stay up all night listen to the radio and i knew it was it was time for me to go to bed when i started hearing like the morning like the morning show come on and i was like okay let me go to bed and then i would sleep and then wake up in the afternoon like eat something i wasn't working out i wasn't exercising i wasn't doing none of that stuff i was getting up getting something to eat taking a shower changing my clothes maybe run an errand go to the mall get something whatever and then come back and like edit again all night and i did that for about I want, I mean, up until my unemployment ran out, basically like my unemployment was running out like the next week. So maybe that was like six months. And I remember, was it that long? It was definitely a couple months, definitely a couple months. And I remember being at Old Navy with my cousin, Nicole, and saying to her like, girl, I got to get a job because my unemployment runs out like next week. And as I'm at the register at Old Navy buying some fucking fast fashion that didn't last me, but two wears in the day, um, I got a call on my phone from the then editor in chief of the Source magazine. And he knew me when I was an intern at the magazine and he and I, he was like a freelancer and we would sit next to each other in like, you know, the freelancer section because we didn't have an office or a real cubicle. It was like a desk that we just, if you came a freelancer intern, you sat at this desk and he was now running the magazine and he called and asked me if I wanted a job like that. And my dry season was over. And, you know, another time after that, after I left the source, I started my own uh website called journalistics which was for journalists journalists of color because I was trying to like kind of like make a myspace for journalists of color don't get me started Tim helped me he created that whole thing he built it the whole back end and you know I was it was up and running we had so many people sign on to it in like a two-month period like I left the source after like two three years launched this platform for black journalists two months and I was like I'm going to dedicate my life to this I'm going to make it work and in two three months after I launched it I wrote a cover story for the village voice and then they offer me a position and I was like, this is my dream. I'm taking a job. And then I had to like wrap up the platform because I could not do both. And then I did that for a while. And then after the village voice, I got laid off because of the recession of like late 2000, 2009, the recession hit. And then I was unemployed for a while. And then I got, I mean, a while, like a long time. And then I got a job offer at vibe magazine 
And I'm not saying this to just talk about like my resume, but I'm just saying that like patterns repeat themselves, right? So if you're thinking about like the old farmer's almanac, like patterns are patterns for a reason. When you look at ancient civilizations, they look to the skies and they could figure out how they need to govern, how they need to rule, how they need to travel. You know, you think about the Vikings, you think about the Moors, you think about the the Sudanese, the Nubians, you know, the Egyptians, like people who travel, the Aztecs, the Incas, like these civilizations were able to manage and govern their livelihoods based upon like the environment. And I think that now we're so disconnected that it makes us feel as though we're failures when things aren't always on 10 every day of the week. And that's not how life is supposed to be. And so sometimes you really need to appreciate your dry season because it gives you the quiet, the stillness to reevaluate your life to think about the things that you want to accomplish, to give yourself perspective, also to give yourself time to change course if you feel like you're not doing what you want to be doing and just switching things up, you know. And the pandemic basically forced all of us to have a dry season when we were sitting at home. So many people changed their careers. So many people went went back to school. So many people picked up a passion that they had long avoided or abandoned. Some people moved, such as myself. And so... We all collectively had a dry season where we were forced to sit down and rethink and be silent and give ourselves perspective. And even if you were grieving during the pandemic, that still gave you some perspective that you didn't have. It made you realize that life is super fragile and that you should seek and do the things that you really want to truly do in your life. And the crazy thing, you know, when you think about like farming, right, especially African-Americans, I know this Black History Month, which was a doozy as always, but I know this Black History Month, we we started hearing about how um, African-Americans, after, after they were newly freed from slavery, they turned to growing watermelon as a way to start a business. And of course, you know, racism, blah, 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 soured that business and turned it into like, oh, you know, you a nigga watermelon lover and all these watermelon songs, and you know, cutting us off at our knees at every step, right? Whenever we want to be independent, they always find a way to like mar the thing that we want to do. And because white supremacy is so prevalent in our DNA, even as African-Americans, we want to do the thing that we feel will align us or that will give us a seat at the table, which we now know it's never going to happen which is why I'm so excited to see how this country transforms according to Pluto's return. Because if it led to the constitution that people still love saying right now, sidebar, did you know in Canada that truckers are trying to object to the mandate that they need to be vaccinated in order to continue working? And so they are doing like these trucker boycotts and they have aligned themselves with the alt right here in America. And so can they, you have Canadian truck drivers who are not doing their job, but like blocking the roads, blocking bridges because they don't want to get vaccinated. And now the prime minister Trudeau is like having them arrested or having them like fired from their jobs. And these dumb idiots in Canada are claiming their first amendment rights, like, like from the constitution. And it's not their constitution. It's our constitution that they're saying that applies to them. That goes to show you how ridiculous people are when they want to double down on their stupidity. Like you are from, you are in Canada, sir. You do not have a constitution. You cannot say your First Amendment rights. You, you can't say your constitutional rights. It's not your constitution. Y'all got a whole different national anthem. I know you do because I heard it during the Olympics. So stop it. 
it's just you want to be dumb to till you die and I get it but do it on your own terms and, and use your own government doctrination indoctrinations so I'm so excited to see how things transform because it's it's long overdue it's long overdue and and you can't keep doing the same thing the way that we've been doing it and expect people to go along with it we're smarter now where we you know some people don't have anything to lose, so you can't threaten them with prison and all this other stuff. And we know that the justice system is corrupt and we see, you know, what happens when judges side with police officers who kill people and cry on the stands because they are so upset that the police officer had to shoot somebody. It's like it, it, you, we it's now it's laughable. Like now you can't say that people are doing their best job when it's marred with racism, it's marred with favoritism, it's marred with with capitalism like I am so excited to see how things change over and maybe these last six ten years was America's dry season you know like we were slowly losing our grip when it comes to holding the number one spot you have China you have India uh creeping on to come up you have all these other countries looking at us like y'all was really number one for this long like it's it has to change. And if that means that we can no longer be number one because we're not going to spend X amount of money on military and involving ourselves in other people's countries and stealing their oil and killing their kids with drone attacks so that we can circle our fucking wagons and deal with what we need to deal with here. I am all for it. I remember being a kid and being like, Asking my mom, like, yo, why is America so nosy? Why are we over there fighting? Why are we in Kuwait? For what? What did Kuwait do to us? Why are we over there now? You have the widows of 9-11 and they had a lawsuit where now they are entitled to the assets of the Afghan bank, which it really is the money of the civilians. And, you know, they don't have anything over there. So now the judge, the courts here decided that they're going to freeze the Afghani assets that are here. Also, you know how fucked up your country has to be that you have to have you, you got to keep your money in another country's bank. Cause y'all don't even have your own solid banking system or your own solid like money, money market. Like, so now that money that belongs to Afghani civilians is now being handed over to the widows of 9-11 because even though we know now, even though we know who was really behind, who really funded the attack on 9-11, uh, Saudi Arabia, even though we know that we can't go after Saudi Arabia because we do business with them. We do oil with him. So when we talk about transformation and we talk about dry seasons and we talk about taking the rocky road versus the smooth road, it applies to everything in life. And all those things are easy, right? It's easy to take the money of the, of the Afghan civilians because that's the smooth road. Who's going to give you resistance? It's not that much, Right. But the harder road is actually penalizing Saudi Arabia and the people who funded it. But you're not going to do that because it looks hard. So you want to take the easy road. And now you are ruining the lives of people who already have nothing. I hope I'm making sense. And I'm not saying that as a woman because I read somewhere that people like women say, if that makes sense, as though like we don't make sense. But like, I know this this has been a conversation as a journey and sorry, there's no pop culture shit to talk about. But I really had this on my heart, as they say, and I wanted to put it out there in the world because I know that a lot of times we think that we are the only ones that experience stuff. And if we're talking about transformation, we need to have the conversations that we don't typically have. So this was a little bit more of a serious episode or introspective episode or, you know, things that make you go, hmm, but 
you know, we got to go back to farming. We got to go back to farming and land. And that land could be, you know, metaphorical for your life or the life that you want. So look at your land, look at your lot, look at your soil. Are you tending to it? Are you letting it rest? Are you talking to the crops? Are you checking in? Are you, I don't know. Are you ruining shit with the wrong hoe? I don't know. What are you, what you doing? What you got going on? So it's something to think about. And it's something that actually made me think a lot. And just think about it this way. After the dry season, you can look back on the things that you had to rearrange and look up at the stars and be like, yep, now the time is right. According to the almanac, the wind is blowing this way and the sun is going to rise over here and the stars look good that way. It's time for me to plant my seeds and, and wait for my harvest and give it all the love and affection and attention that it deserves. Because once you finish with that harvest, what you going to have? Let them know, Shirley, what they going to have after that harvest. I got beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, rams, hogs, dogs, chicken, turkeys, rabbits. You name That's right. You name it. You can have all of that if you tend to your land and let yourself rest and recuperate and recover during your dry season. So this is my dry season and I'm so excited to see what happens on the other side because it's going to be good. I just know it in my heart of hearts. It's going, it's going to be good. And I want your, your new season, your harvest to be as amazing as well. So think about it, y'all. Everything that's dry ain't necessarily bad, except for like cake. Nobody wants some dry ass cake. Speaking of which, I'm going to learn how to bake. That's one of the things I want to do this year. I want to learn how to bake. I don't know how to bake, but I want to learn how to bake. And I think a lot of us need to go back to like, you know, that like home economics vibe. Because I was killing it in home economics in sixth grade. I was killing it. You couldn't tell me shit. But then I lost my way. So I think we got to get back to the land. We got to get back to harvest. We got to get back to uh, science projects, a.k.a. baking at home, because that shit is straight up science. And I'm not talking banana bread. I hate bananas. I can't eat bananas. I'm allergic. But, you know, things that make you be in the moment and be present, because I think we are a microwave society and it's not really helping that much. But I will give credit where credit is due. TikTok. TikTok don't fuck with me. Whenever I try to post some shit, they say I'm a um, messing up their community guidelines because I post my stand up clips. So that's why I can't post my stand up clips on TikTok because they will not post the shit and take it down because they want to ban a black woman who's funny. I don't know. I'm just I'm just saying that. But uh, TikTok is really informing a lot of people because all the things that they want to ban with critical race theory and books and shit. Kids is posting about it on TikTok. And those are things that politicians cannot control. And let me tell you who's going to let that fly. China. China owns TikTok. And I say China, but it's a Chinese app and they are going to let the shit that undermines the American authority and political narrative fucking rock because it shakes this country to the core. And it puts us in a place where we're weak and vulnerable because now you're not going to have a group or generations of people lock and set with the bullshit. They're going to question everything and it's going to cause chaos. And China's going to be like, ha, ha, ha. That's what you get. Now we get to be number one. And that may be the thing that helps us transform because you can't just 
listen to lies anymore when you have people on TikTok being like, according to this book, this encyclopedia, this author, this person's life story, this is truly what happened. Like, I am gagging over the fact that TikTok is learning that Ruby Bridges is still alive and that white women and men and kids were throwing rocks at a six-year-old black girl who had to be escorted to school because the judge said that they need to desegregate the school. And she is in her 60s, like retirement age. Like, we need to colorize all black and white photos because people think that just because it's black and white, it was 100 years ago. Like, Martin Luther King could have still been alive today if he wasn't killed. And I think about that like a parallel universe, like where he, like, was still alive and maybe went on to become like the first black president. And then like after him, like maybe, you know, a couple of presidents left, maybe like um, Shirley Chisholm became president. Like just think about the world. Like I actually, I saw a video of Marianne Williamson. Do you remember Marianne Williamson? I didn't know who she was at the time, but she's an author, activist and spiritual leader. She was a 2020, she was a 2020 presidential candidate. And she announced in January of 2019 that she was going to like be running in that election. And so remember when they had like the massive debates and she was a woman who was like, they asked about reparations and she was like, absolutely, we should have reparations. And so I recently saw, and I was like, I don't know who she is, but she's right. And then I recently saw a clip of her on social media where she talked about like the art of manifesting. And she said basically that, you know, if you want to manifest things, the best way to manifest things and have them come true is you have to be present in your everyday life. So if you're not doing the things, which is, I believe it, if you're not doing the things in your day-to-day life that will lead to that manifesting happening, it's not going to happen, right? So you can't just say, I want to manifest uh, I drive a Bentley, but you're not doing the things up to lead up to the point like you're not fixing your credit, you're not fixing your savings, you're not like doing what you need to do to put you in a position to get that Bentley. You just want a Bentley. That's not how manifesting works. And I also want us to like have a different conversation when it comes to faith because it's like faith without action is just fantasy. Like that's how I believe it. If you aren't doing the things and applying yourself and doing the work that leads you by faith, to the thing you're just daydreaming and it's not going to happen. So I thought about it for a split second after I saw her clip about like art of manifesting and being present in your day-to-day life to yield the thing that you want. I thought, imagine if she was president, like, I don't know what her political platform was other than saying that, you know, black people should have reparations, which I feel like is a very big platform and it will like change the lives of, you know, 13% of this country and it trickle down effect would be tremendous. Like for real, like that's what Reaganomics thought it was going to do. But if you wiped the debt of African-Americans, if you allowed us to go to school for free, even though you should let all people go to school for free, like if you gave us universal health care as a part of reparations, like it would just change the world. So I thought about it for a split second. Like, what if she was president? Like, how would that affect our lives to have a leader who is like socially conscious, spiritual, right? Who is empathetic, sympathetic versus, you know, what we have typically. And then I also thought about it. It's like, well, what happens is somebody runs for office and then they have their intentions and they say all the things that they want to say. But then when they get in the office, they realize that people who are really in control are not going to let them do that thing. And 
That's why I think sometimes we look to politicians to be leaders and politicians are just employees, right? Like think about if America is a company and you get hired into the company, the first thing that you do when you get hired to the company is you are giving the writer's handbook on all the things that you need to do in order to fit and assimilate into this company because the company was here before you and a company is going to be here after you. That's why when you go into the Apple store, they all talk a certain way and they greet you a certain way and they have to proceed a certain way. When you go to Disney, you know, they have this like super affirmative way of addressing everything with positivity. So for example, at Disney, if you say, what time does the park close? They answer you back. Well, the um, the park is open until seven, right? Cause they don't want to give you a negative. They don't say, Oh, the park closes. They say the park is open till seven so that you like, Oh, okay. It's open till seven. And that the answer is the same, but the effect and the emotion behind it is different because they want to give you positivity, hope and affirmation, not like negativity. Cause if somebody says, Oh, the park closes at seven, you're like, Oh shit, close at seven. We have an hour left. We got to hurry up and do this. But Oh, the park is open to seven. Like, Oh, the park is open. Okay. We have some time. We have another hour, you know? And so it's all about how you address things and think I think that when we think about politics and we think about culture we think about you know all the things that are being done to suppress the truth it's like now it's time to wait for Pluto to return so that we can see the transformation that we so sorely need because it is time it is overdue and I cannot wait man I cannot wait. I wish it was a countdown clock. I wish there was like tickets to see it. I wish somebody would text me like, yo, next Tuesday at this time, it's popping off. Like I will be at home in front of my television waiting to see how it goes down. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at in life. That's my little slice of the pie. That's how I'm thinking about things. I'm seeing the cup as half full and half empty. And I'm waiting to see what I fill up the half empty part with. So it's all about perspective. And if you're out there right now dealing with your dry season, don't be so hard on yourself. You you heard what I said. It, it is a is a very privileged and sacred time in our lives when we're in our dry season. And next time you're at a fork in the road, inspect both sides, both paths, and and you'll be surprised. Sometimes a rocky road is better. It's more gratifying. It's more fulfilling. And you get stronger when you get out on the other end because you have to use your muscles and your brains and your, in believing yourself. So that's all I got for y'all this week. Um, let me know um, if it if it helped. I don't know. But I, it helped me. So I'm happy with that. Um, until next week, ladies and gents, and all in between, they, y'all, them. How do I greet people? Okay, until next week, folks, sounds so country, until next week, people, there you go, people. It's been a pleasure as always, and um, I look forward to hearing what you have to say. Hit me in the DMs, let me know um, if there's anything that you would like me to address on the show, any deep dives. You remember I said that I wanted to do some deep dives, and I'm going to plan on some great stuff for Women's History Month, which is next month, and um, we'll go. We'll go from there. You guys have been amazing. As always, take us out, Tim. Um, Tim, would you like to come up and say goodbye to the people? For what? <laughs>